hey, I'm doing a test real quick. Um, are you guys in? Um, I see you on the left as guest, but not co-host. So I just clicked where I hit invite you as speaker. So make sure that you, you know, if you just signed up for everything, then cut, then go out of it and then start all over with the link that I sent you. And that way it should give you either the choice co-host or like guest. There you go. There you guys go. You got it. Good deal. Oh, not yet. Not yet. It's only 7.59. Give me, give uh, Scott a chance to get into guys.
fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. 
the pictures of airplanes flying into buildings, fires burning, huge, huge structures collapsing, have filled us with disbelief, terrible sadness, and a quiet, unyielding anger. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat. But they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. These acts shatter steel, but they cannot dent the steel of American resolve. America was targeted for attack because we're the brightest beacon for freedom and opportunity in the world, and no one will keep that light from shining. Today our nation saw evil, the very worst of human nature, and we responded with the best of America, with the daring of our rescue workers, with the caring of, for strangers and neighbors who came to give blood and help in any way they could. Immediately following the first attack, I implemented our government's emergency response plans. Our military is powerful and it's prepared. Our emergency teams are working in New York City and Washington, D.C. to help with local rescue efforts. Our first priority is to get help to those who have been injured and to take every precaution to protect our citizens at home and around the world from further attacks. The functions of our government continue without interruption. Federal agencies in Washington, which had to be evacuated today, are reopening for essential personnel tonight and will be open for business tomorrow. Our financial institutions remain strong and the American economy will be open for business as well. The search is underway for those who are behind these evil acts. I've directed the full resources of our intelligence and law enforcement communities to find those responsible and to bring them to justice. We will make no distinction between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. I appreciate so very much the members of Congress who have joined me in strongly condemning these attacks. And on behalf of the American people, I thank the many world leaders who have called to offer their condolences and assistance. America and our friends and allies join with all those who want peace and security in the world. And we stand together to win the war against terrorism. Tonight, I ask for your prayers for all those who grieve, for the children whose worlds have been shattered, for all whose sense of safety and security has been threatened. And I pray they will be comforted by a power greater than any of us, spoken through the ages in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. America has stood down any enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. Thank you, good night, and God bless America. This is a special episode. Sorry. 
This is a special episode. <laughs> I'm glad that you can all join us tonight. I'd like to read a prayer that I wrote, if I can get through. We come before you today with heavy hearts, seeking solace and strength for the victims and families affected by the 9-11 tragedy. <laughs> we ask for your comforting embrace to surround them, providing healing for their pain and an outpouring of love to ease their burden. May you grant them the courage to face each day, knowing they are not alone in their grief. Help them find moments of peace and resilience to carry on with hope and determination. We pray for the souls of those who lost their lives on that fateful day. May they find eternal rest in your loving embrace and may their spirits continue to inspire us to strive for unity, compassion and understanding. Guide us dear Lord to be sources of support and empathy for those who still carry the weight of loss. Help us to listen with open hearts, offer a comforting presence and extend a helping hand whenever it is needed. In the face of tragedy, may we find the strength to stand united, transcending differences and embracing our shared humanity. May this solemn occasion serve as a reminder of the preciousness of life and the value of cherishing one another. We offer this prayer with humility and reverence, knowing that you are the source of comfort and healing. May your grace be abundant upon the victims and families of 9-11, now and forevermore. And Lord, my Savior, we pray. Amen. Let's take a moment of silence to say our own prayers. Tonight on a very special episode, we gathered together for an important conversation that resonates deeply within our hearts. Join us as we dive into the tragic events of 9-11 and explore their profound impact on our lives, our nation, and our world. In this thought-provoking discussion, I am joined by an incredible lineup of fellow podcasters and friends from Scott from Beyond the Shadows, Kevin from When the Weird Ones Are, Vicky from Mrs. Spooky Obsessed, Amanda, my friend, 
want nothing. And my dear friend Stacy, I'm so sorry I'm trying to get through this. Together we will share our personal experiences and reflections recounting where we were when the world changed forever. With honesty and vulnerability, we will explore the ripple effects of that fateful day, discussing how it shaped our perspectives, deepened our empathy, and inspired our pursuit of truth. As we gather, we aim to honor the lives lost, the heroes who emerged in the resilience of our nation. This is not just a discussion about history. It is an opportunity to remember, reflect, and pay tribute to the enduring spirit of unity that emerged from the ashes of tragedy. Moreover, we will address the challenging topic of conspiracy theories surrounding 9-11. With respect and critical thinking, we will navigate the sensible, sensitive arena, examining different viewpoints and seeking to separate fact from fiction. This episode is a testament to the power of conversation, fostering understanding, and fostering a sense of connection. I invite you to join all of us on this journey of remembrance and introspection as we honor the past, examine the present, and envision a future built on compassion, resilience, and unity. And thank you all for joining to be a part of this profound discussion as we remember 9-11 together. So what we're going to do is first I'll introduce my wonderful group of guests that are here. Um, and then we will do a roundtable discussion um, where they will, each of us will have the floor and we will first go through where we were. We'll do that question first. And then the second question will be the impact that it had on us. And then the next question will be the impact it has on the world, our country. And so first, let me welcome Kevin from where the weird ones are. Kevin, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Awesome. You wouldn't be able to because I'm on the phone this time. No, no, you sound loud and clear. So awesome. I'm glad everything is working. And Amanda from One Nothing Podcast, say hello. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad Amanda could be here. She was having, you know, I don't know what happened if she switched her shift or not, but it means so much that she's here. And then we have Scott with Beyond the Shadows podcast. Scott, can you hear me, my mate? I hear, I hear you. Can you hear me? I hear you just uh, fine, right. loud Hopefully and clear. Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. I'm on my phone. Old man problems. I couldn't get to work. <laughs> so. No, no worries. No worries at all. I'm glad that all of you can join. We're still waiting, too, on Vicky, Mrs. Spooky Obsessed that will be here. But, of course, we're going to start. Um, and I'm, I'm going to start with Kevin because... Um, uh, you know, Kevin and I were actually supposed to do a recording tonight, him being on my podcast. Um, I was going to do 
like a haunted subject with just him and I. And I thought, you know, I don't hear as much of 9-11 as I think should be. And I think, you know, we're all from different walks of life, different places in the U.S. And I think it would just uh, do well for, you know, even if any victims and their families at all are listening to any shows tonight or coming up, if they happen to come across this, that we are thinking of them. And we do remember because we remember where we were and what we were doing. And so uh, I'm going to give the floor to Kevin. So Kevin, on on that day, tell us uh, tell us where you were, you know, as detailed as you can about where you were when it happened and you first saw it, what your reaction was to it, and just the general uh, concept of 9-11, the tragedy itself. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, first... Um, if you don't mind, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I always love talking to you. Um, but if, uh, you don't mind, I would like to read kind of sort of, uh, a quick poem, um, that is actually a song, uh, the end of a song. Uh, some people might know it, um, but it, well, I'll just read it. Um, you never know the words you should have said until they're all you're left with, until the dirt is falling and the guilt, it burns your bones. And we ask the biggest question, <clears throat> why the fuck did this all happen? Who on earth deserves this and what the hell do we do now? So we live like we have lost and we love like we are broken. And as the color leaves the sky, we're left in reverence of the frailty of it all. Um, so, uh, I just, I connect with that a lot. Um, it's been, uh, something that I connect with, um, with the passing of my uncle a few years ago. So, um, just life is so fleeting and you never know when loved ones are going to be gone. So embrace them now, um, when they're in your presence and not later. Um, because things like this happen uh, far too often. Um, but as far as where I was, I was um, I was actually in seventh grade. I was 12. How the hell old was I in seventh grade? I don't know. It was seventh grade. Um, but I remember them calling it over the intercom that uh, a plane had had struck the first building um, of the World Trade Center. And then it kind of like sent the whole school in a panic. And uh, for some reason, kids thought planes were going to start coming in, like hitting our school. Um, it was, it was frightening, actually, um, that, that the panic that it set in the school. I, I honestly feel like our school probably did a terrible job at it. And my science teacher pulled in the old box TV um, and actually showed the, the news broadcast. And I remember, which was really bizarre, um, this woman reporting on 
that the second building had been struck and it hadn't been struck yet. And I, I remember this very vividly and um, I actually started asking questions and people started telling me that I was insensitive and, 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 and things of this. So I just shut up, but um, they ended up having the buses take us home early uh, to be with our families. Um, of course, being um, middle class or whatever, our parents didn't have the luxury of coming home to uh, console us or have uh, to talk about whatever feelings we have on this occasion. So um, I went home early and then I was home alone for the entire day watching this happen on TV um, and just being like, this is crazy. And then having these emotions of uh, wishing I was older so I could do something about it. Um, unfortunately, I never got that chance. Um, wasn't the best uh, person growing up, so um, I ended up with a record, so none of the military branches would accept my waivers. Um, so, But I desperately wanted to get into... Uh, get into the military and, you know, do my thing. I thought I would probably be, that would, that would be my purpose, um, was to, um, liberate and, and, um, help secure freedom for not only our nation, but others as well. And then, uh, and then, yeah, so, that's where I was, the seventh grade, just a seventh grade kid, pimples on my face, uh, cracking voice, and uh, afraid of what was going to happen next. I was just going to, I was going to ask you, but like I said, I'm giving everybody their time and no one's saying a word because I think that's very important. But let me ask you, when you were sitting at home, and it was just you and you know your parents were there what what thoughts were running through your mind like were you thinking something was someone's going to invade your home or you know like what were some of the things running through your mind um well i i wasn't afraid that anybody was gonna you know invade the house or anything i what i thought was there was gonna be a all-out war on uh on our soil and um i just i wanted to be able to do something about it you know um and i think that's what had one of the main things that um connects me to being you know physical with um in my life like being um, active and trying to be fit, I guess. Um, and just so that I can, (laughs) I'd be able to confront these, these problems. Um, I remember just sitting there thinking like, I needed, I need to do something about this. Like I need, I, what, I don't think I ever felt fear, but I felt afraid of, I guess it, I guess I did. If I'm saying I felt afraid, but I did feel, um, like, I'm not sure what's going to happen after this. What, where, where is, where is this going to go? Where, what is this going to lead to? 
um, what problems is this gonna is it, it going to look like in the future? <clears throat> um, and I don't know for a child, I feel like that's a lot to think about. Oh, I agree. Agree 100% for sure. Uh, does anyone in our round table want to ask Kevin any questions? Kevin, how did you feel um, when you wanted to join the military, you wanted to defend a country that you obviously love and they wouldn't allow you just because of some ridiculous mistake? I'm not going to lie. I was pretty pissed off. Um, I firstly tried to join the army um, and they denied the waiver. And then I was like, well, the National Guard needs people because people don't like to join the National Guard. Apparently, a lot of people like love to join the National Guard. Um, so they wouldn't accept me either. They wouldn't accept the waiver. And I was like, you know who's not going to deny me? The Marines aren't going to deny me. Never would they ever. And lo and behold, they did. Um, I feel like I would have uh, thrived in the military, to be honest. Um, but I never, uh, unfortunately, I never got that chance. But yeah, it 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 pissed me off because it 9-11 was 2001 by the time I was, well, by the time I was supposed to graduate high school. So the year that I became an adult was uh, the end of 2006. So I was trying to join in uh, the spring of 2007. Um, so, yeah, I, and we were still over there um, doing the thing. I don't even think um, uh, Bin Laden had been found by 2007 as of yet at that time either. So, yeah, uh, I was uh, I was angry for sure. I don't blame you. And, yeah, I think Bin Laden, I, you know, I believe it was in Barack's uh presidency which i wasn't he president first in 08 yeah he uh and he, he became president in 2008 yeah okay all right so i figured that well thank you for sharing your story kevin because um you know you were you were definitely you know younger i think almost the same age as me so you know like i said it's good to get you know um to see where everyone was in our ages, because we're all different, you know. So um, how about Scott from Beyond the Shadows? Uh, tell us where you were when the news hit and just your thoughts, your feelings. And we're, of course, giving you the whole floor. Well, when it happened, when you when you told me about uh, asked me to come on the show, I started thinking back, trying to remember exactly where I was and what was going on at the time. And it's funny how they say people's memories are completely unreliable because I remember thinking back. I remember watching I was watching the television. I had just come home from work, but in my head, I was still in the military. I remember myself wearing my uniform. I remember wearing my BDUs, but. And I remembering the dates, I did the math and I'm, I was already out of the service. So my memory wasn't, you know, you can't trust your memory. But I do recall that I was, I came home, I've been working night shift for years and I come home and I turned on the television. And when I turned on the television, I think it was like Good Morning America or something like that. And when I turned it on, 
I saw they showed the building and it was, you know, the first tower and it was just smoking. And then I was just in awe trying to figure out what had happened. And they were broadcasting live right, you know, from downtown New York. And while they're broadcasting, you can see the second plane come in. You literally could see it come in and crash into the second tower. And it would just floored me. I had actually been in the military just before this. I served a couple, uh, uh, I did a couple tours in the Air Force. And uh, like I said, when I, I went through similar to this before this, I was uh, our base where we stayed over in Saudi Arabia. One of the buildings there was bombed by the same people that did 9-11 and they blew up uh, a lot of the people that I was stationed with at the time. I was supposed to be there, but I actually, uh, <clears throat> someone else had taken my place to go over because I just had a, I had a baby. Well, my wife had a baby, <laughs> but, uh, so we went through that. And then soon after that, I was moving from one base to another and I rented a rider truck. And the same day I rented the rider truck was the same day that Timothy McVeigh blew up the Oklahoma city, uh, that building. So I had to talk to the FBI about that. And I had to fill out a bunch of paperwork and go through a bunch of stuff of where I was, what routes I had taken and everything. So this was like the third round of something like this for me, but I was still absolutely awestruck. You know, I, I, I was actually a little worried. Yeah, you, uh, he was talking about, you know, joining the military. I had just gotten out and I was wondering if they were going to make me come back in. I thought we were at a, you know, full out war at this time. And I was living in Omaha, Nebraska at the time. And in the flight path of off at Air Force Base, we saw a plane coming in there and it was coming in low and it was coming in landing, but it was actually the president. Because after this happened, they relocated him because the base where we have in, we had in Omaha is the Strategic Air Command. So they relocated the president there. There's a building that's, you know, all secure and everything, and they moved him to that building. So that was another, you know, part of it that scared us to death because we thought planes were coming in after us after that. So it was, it, it changed everything after that. You look on everything, you know. Well, as everyone has said in the chat, and uh, I'll say again, you know, thank you for your service, Scott, um, you know, especially in war times like what you had just mentioned that you were a part of, you know, losing, losing your comrades, you know, your brothers and, you know, there's some people that lose brothers and sisters, but, you know, we all don't know that side that aren't in the military. So, you know, we can you know, we of course want to say that uh, we know, you know, how bad it is. I mean, my husband's a veteran, so I mean, I know a little bit about it. You know, he signed up at a time of war. I think he he signed up in like '06. But you know, just people that were in it, like you, the fact that you were like a little hesitant, you know, that you might be called upon. That is scary to think. Oh my gosh, look what I've already been through, and now you know, is this the last time that I'm going to do something like this? And I came back all these other times. Did you have that feeling that if you were to go that I'm not trying to be like morbid in that sense, I'm oh, just no, kind of digging, 
just kind of digging for where, you know, your gut and your brain were and your heart were, where, where were those three at that time? Yeah, no, I was really floored at first because, you know, nobody knew who was on the plane. Nobody knew what had happened. You know, you just literally saw this. You, you heard about the third plane going down into the Pentagon. And then there was the fourth one that crashed into the, you know, the people took down. And, uh, you know, it really, it just really threw me for a loop. I was, I, I was nervous mostly because I had little kids at the time, you know, and to think that you, I'd just done two enlistments. And yeah, I was worried about having to go back. I would have, you know, it's not, and you know, a lot of this didn't happen to me. It just happened around me. So I'm no, I'm no hero, but, uh, yeah, it, it definitely changed my outlook. It, it, I was definitely worried for sure. Well, I, we definitely thank you for telling us where you were and we're going to get back to you about how it affected and impacted your life. So start thinking about that for when we come around the table again. But the way that you explained everything, you know, is definitely detail enough that we, you know, we get to know where your head was at. So thank you for sharing, Scott. We do appreciate that. Absolutely. And then we have joining us Vicki from Mrs. Spooky Obsessed Podcast. She is one of my dear friends and fellow podcasters. And Vicki, what we're doing is the first question is just, where were you um, when this, you know, when 9-11 first happened and things were going on the news and reports and what were your original, like your first thoughts? And then we'll, we're going to do everybody first with the first question and then circle back around the second and third question. So just for this question, just let us know where you were and what your, you know, what your first thoughts were at that time. Sarah. Oh my God. Farah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm tired. Um, thank you for that introduction. And I think my first intro to the whole 9-11, it happened during the time I was in school. I was, what, 2001? I was eight, nine years old, maybe third grade. Um, I remember one day my history teacher just came in riled up, like, like in this sort of frenzy and it kind of freaked, you know, our classmates, like we, we kind of freaked out because he, he was really kind of out of it. And he's like, guys, you need to watch this. I'm going to put the TV on. And for that, for us, that was exciting. We were like, oh my God, like TV, yay. Because we never got to watch anything on that, that little weird box that they had at that time. But no, um, he didn't explain before putting it on. He explained during and he's like, guys, you need to watch this because we are being attacked. And this is going to be part of our history from now on forever for as long as we live. And what do we know? We were little. I mean, I don't think we really truly understood the concept yet at that time. So we were just we were just like all watching that little small screen. How like you just see these planes crashing into the buildings and and so my my teacher was like look at this this is the twin towers this is what helps define america and he went on with this entire history lesson and he was just sitting there watching i think the next thing the guy needed was just a cigarette on the side he was just like zoned into the tv like he he couldn't believe what was happening and i i, I don't think 
I got to give in much thought at first, because like I said, I was, I was small. Over the years that it became like a yearly annual thing for us to celebrate or commemorate for the fallen ones, I think it was around high school. Um, I want to say 2008, that that's when I really started to give in some sort of consideration about this 9-11 attack, how people were saying, we're at war, we're at war, and it was uh, Bush's junior's fault, there's a conspiracy, he's the one behind this, we got attacked because of him, um, it's his fault, he was in on it, there's something going on that they don't want to tell us and I don't know what it is but it's a secret and so that he had to kill out he was the one that killed our American people not not these guys in, in the in the planes and so I think a couple few years afterwards people I think started claiming that we were in the holy wars because of what happened in 9-11 I mean I didn't even know that was a, a term like holy holy wars I guess um, but it did scare me a little because I was like, we're at war. Like, I, I didn't even know because, you know, we're here on our side of the world. Like, like nothing is happening until you see newscasters on TV like, oh, this and that. Um, they're being attacked. They were these were the guys that attacked us. These are suicide bombers. That's the reason why we got a, we, we got hit in 9-11, because these guys, they're already committing themselves to God. And I don't know, these, these whole, this whole wild um, sayings over the TV. And so, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound rude or anything, because I'm not. I really do feel bad. And I do apologize for those that have been, like, their families have been affected by 9-11. I mean, I do know over the years, there have been, you know, people on TV, they talk about like, my husband was in that building, my daughter was working in that building, uh, my, 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 my family, my kids were in the surrounding areas when this, this building was crashing on top of them. And it still affects them to this very day. It, it crushes them deeply how they're like this shouldn't have happened this w shouldn't have happened you know they're just repeating themselves over and over and I think within my my experience and working in two different banks every time I got introduced to the job 9-11 happens to be that one main subject of explaining to us okay we do this in order to to um, help the members with their identity and whatnot because of 9-11, because of the terrorist attack. So I know for me, I like I said, although personally I was not affected, but it has affected job-wise for me in a way that we do things with the banks because of what happened at 9-11. And if that's, that's the end of... Thank you, Vicki. And before I forget, um, you know, was there anyone that wants to ask Scott any questions or Vicki any questions? So that way I forgot, Scott, I'm so sorry. You know, 
I was breaking down and everything at the beginning, so I'm trying to collect myself back up. Oh, no worry. But yes. If, no worries at all. <laughs> if anyone have any questions for Scott or Vicki, please say them now. If not, we'll just move on, but I'll give you like a few seconds. Okay, so we'll move on. So let's see. So Stacy. Stacy is one of my good friends, and she is probably the best supporter for podcasters in the United States of America and all across every continent, every city, town, uh, you know, remote island. It does not matter. She is someone that, um, you know, me, Amanda, Vicki, uh, Samantha, Tracy, Kevin. I mean, we just can't say enough about Stacy. So she is a friend and I want to hear her side of everything. So Stacy, the floor is yours. Just go into where you were, your first thoughts, and then um, we'll give you the floor. Go ahead. Wow, Farah, thank you so much. Um, I, I can't even begin to tell you how um, how good it feels to be here with you guys. So a little different. Um, I actually had just, um, graduated from college. I was doing, um, my internship with, uh, Los Angeles County. Um, I had, uh, recently obtained my, um, my master's in psychology. And so it was time to to put that to work and um, I could hear a uh, television and um, I thought how strange here we're in in our office and um, so I, I went out went into the break room where it was and I noticed um, that there was just this complete smoke and just I didn't understand so I called my mom and I said mom what's what's going on I said there's there's been a plane accident uh, a plane has hit the World Trade Center and just as I got that out the second plane hit and my mom said oh fuck this is not an accident this is purposeful she said you get out of la you get out of there now and i'm like i i can't i i absolutely can't mom i'm so sorry so i stayed on the phone with her and it it just spiraled from that to uh the pentagon and we didn't actually hear about the heroes that had taken the plane down for a few days. Um, but I remember standing there with my mom on the phone crying and watching the people just rain out of the building. And, um, and I just remember thinking like, please, let them not know what's happening. Let them be gone. 
before they realize how far they're falling. And um, as soon as, as uh, I got off the phone with my mom, um, I just, I hugged coworkers. Um, we had a group home and foster uh, parents and, and, and families in the building. We did our best to shield them. Um, but uh, it, it was just so hard because there was nothing, nothing we could do. And then rumors started going around uh, in LA that um, we were next. They were, they were targeting us. Los Angeles was next, every big city. And just my mom calling me and telling me, you need to come home. I want you home. And it was hard. Thank you, Stacey. And, and like I said, that's why I wanted to do this because just like you said, you know, your story was a little different. I think it's so great to hear everyone's different story because each of us have a different feeling even today. You know, I mean, we, we don't all feel the same except for yes, the empathy, the sympathy, but you know, I just think that talking about it and it should be talked about more is very, very important. So Thank you for sharing your story. And is, does anyone want to ask Stacy any questions? And you know what, Stacy, I was going to ask you, that's weird that you said that your mom was like, get out of there now, because I always thought that if anything would happen to our nation, you know, like a terrorist attack, that it would be like New York, Miami, you know, LA and California, Chicago, like it'd be all of them, not just, you know, New York city, but, um, you know, were they taking, were they doing anything different with the planes there at that time? Like, did they change, didn't they ground everything like right away? Yes. So, okay. um, immediately, uh, all of our newscasts, in LA started coming out that if you were in LAX and you had a flight that you were leaving on, you weren't going anywhere. Um, there were people who were stranded in uh, LAX who um, weren't from California because their planes weren't going out. Um, even our major highways, um, the 10, the five, um, they were shut down to where only little bits of traffic at a time could go through. Right, because you didn't want to, you couldn't overcrowd. I mean, the one thing I always think of is, you know, whenever a disaster is happening, I feel like a lot of us don't know how to act. And like, you know, you have those people that their first instinct is to go in and like, you know, uh, bumper to bumper the roads, like, you know, make a big traffic jam. So we all can't get out and then we're screwed. You know what I mean? So it's like, I always wish that, you know, our government would make better 
I don't know how you want to say it, but better plans that, you know, for each state for if any type of catastrophe or anything would happen, you know, what can we do to make us all feel better and give us a chance, you know, of living. Um, but Amanda, I know that you said that you weren't in the U.S. much at that time, but can you tell us like where you were and what you did hear of it and then what you thought the first time you did hear of it? Do you mean me, Amanda, or Frankie, Amanda? You, Amanda. Oh, okay. So sorry. <laughs> um, so I actually was here for 9-11. I had been here like two weeks. Like I just moved. And it was really surreal because we don't have terrorism in Canada to the degree that America seems to. Um, just historically, that was never a thing in Canada. We never worried about, you know, terrorism or being attacked by other countries or, uh, you know, uh, anyway. But I was in, I think, fifth or sixth grade and... Sorry, I can't read and talk at the same time because I'm looking at the comments. Sorry. Um, I was in like fifth or sixth grade, and I just remember we were moving from one class to the next, and the whole, all the students were kind of in a bustle. The teachers were really freaked out. I remember noticing their behavior was strange. And she went over, our teacher went over to the, we had like TVs up in the corner of all of our rooms, like little just box TVs, and she turned it on, and it was the same video that everyone else recalls. Um, of the first tower on fire and our parents, my, my sister and I went to different schools. So my mom actually came and picked me up because it was obviously very, for someone who's, you know, been in this country for like a second, it's very scary. And so she came and picked my, uh, me up and then picked up my sister from elementary school. And we stopped real quick at a grocery store and it's the store called Mark's and they've all had these TVs above every single cash register and every TV, they're normally different channels. But every TV was airing the same thing, and it was all the second tower as the second tower was going down. So we went home immediately. We heard on the news that there was um, like a no-fly order and that all the planes had to land and that no one was allowed to be in the sky. And like 15 minutes went by. My mom and my sister and I are just kind of huddled in our living room that we just moved into, kind of freaked, you know, obviously freaked out, and we hear a plane and so we all start panicking because we thought that that meant that, you know, we're kind of in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere. Sorry for lack of a better term. We're not in any populated area. We're like in the middle of Ohio. So not realistic that we would be attacked in where we were. But it was just very surreal because we thought we were going to be attacked and we didn't know anything about how to act in that kind of scenario. It was all of a sudden we were thrust into this super patriotic, like, and it wasn't like that. The first two weeks, everything was really mute. And then 9-11 happened. And all of a sudden it was like, you know, we had to be careful saying sometimes that we just moved here and like people that weren't American were getting side eye regardless of their ethnicity. And it was just a very bizarre time as a child to, to observe. So I don't, I know I don't have much room to say because I wasn't, I'm not a citizen. I wasn't a citizen for that. So I, I don't have the same, a visceral gut punch that I know a lot of Americans felt when that happened. I see it as more like it's still devastating. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I imagine that it would feel a little bit differently if I was living in Canada and something like that had happened because it wasn't home to me yet at that time, if that makes sense. So 
just a weird perspective to be in for sure. No, no, definitely. And I, and I didn't know that, you know, that you, you know, that you originally lived in Canada. So let me ask you then, I'm interested to know. And of course, like you said, no pun intended, where this is an open conversation. Everyone says what they want to say because it's a free country. But when you were old enough, Amanda, to know about the subject more through in and throughout, what was what were your feelings as you know like i don't know how i want to put it comparing the us to canada and and what did you did you see this as like a we asked not a we asked for it in that sense but like you know hey this you know if america wasn't like this maybe that would have happened because as you mentioned canada hasn't experienced anything like this so what do you think in your just personal opinion, what do you think that that might've, what were your thoughts on that? You know, for the difference between us and Canada, when you heard more and were able to learn more about it when you got older. Yeah. So at first, because I'd been coming like on trips and stuff for weekends and vacations in the States. So before nine 11, it really didn't feel much different. It just, you were crossing a border and there was some different foods available and that was really it. There wasn't too big of a difference among cultures. When 9-11 happened, um, I still had a lot of friends in Canada, family in Canada. America took on this weird perception like of, I don't know, it just felt like ever since then, it's been like everyone refers to America as like trigger happy and like war happy. And because I didn't know anything about America before then, it's like it was it was very surreal to go from a country that felt just like Canada and then all of a sudden I'm in a country where Canada suddenly feels very safe and I, I don't feel safe anymore. So it's like a real switch. Um, and I know that has, that's not at the fault whatsoever of the American people and the residents and, and citizens of America. I know that's nobody's fault, but just as someone who's brand new in this country, it did feel alienating in a way. And it did feel, <laughs> sorry, my cats are like fighting by my face. Um, and it did feel like, like I had just kind of stepped into like a different dimension almost. It was really surreal, but I was also super young um, and I didn't really look too much into it. And it wasn't until a couple years later that I started really doing some digging into it and finding things about it that, you know, distressed me more than what I originally thought as a child. Um, but yeah, I don't know a better way to answer that because it just sounds really crappy when I say it that way, but it just, it really took on this weird dark kind of like not safe vibe. No, I understand. And you would be surprised, Amanda, how many people in America feel exactly the same way that you did. So what you just said is a lot of my feelings on it. It's that maybe not us, the citizens, you know, we didn't ask for this. Our government puts us into situations that, you know, we can't get out of or doesn't look good. So I, I agree a hundred percent on what you said. So just so you know that. Does anyone have any questions for Amanda? Okay, so I guess I am last until we go to the round table again. Um, let's see, so I remember I was at home. I had a work at home job and I had two little girls. Uh, Sierra was I'm going to say four and hope was six and 
I was playing on the computer. I didn't have to work that day. But if anyone remembers the internet, you know, back in 2001 and like on the Yahoo, you would go to the Yahoo page and the news would be on the right in the blue. And I can actually see the letters WTC. I don't know if it was fire or crash or something like that, but under the Yahoo news, it was in blue letters, very small though, WTC crash or a fire happening. So I clicked on it and it explained World Trade Center on fire or bombing. So I, I go to the TV and I get a phone call at the same time. And my best friend at the time, Lauren, she called me um, as I was turning on the TV and she's like, oh my God, have you seen the news? There's a, a bomb or an attack or a plane flew in the building. And I'm like, what? So I turned on, I think it's NBC where it was Katie Couric and Matt Lauer. And I remember them sitting there at their broadcast desk with a live view of the back, you know, behind them. And they were talking and I could see like the fire of the first tower. And then, you know, they were talking for a little bit. There was a guy that came on that was talking from, he was in the middle there by New York city and he's describing um, everything to them. And then it was a producer or lady that came on and she was in downtown and she could see it from her building. And then all of a sudden you see this little mark on the TV going right for, you know, you're looking at the, the one tower and to the left and you see it entering. And then Matt Lauer and Katie Couric going, oh no. And everybody gasping behind the cameras and you hear everybody, you know, and it, it was just, I held my breath at that time because I even was like, oh my God, I just saw whatever just happened to the first tower happened to this second tower. Like I actually saw it live and I'm crying to Lauren and I'm, I'm saying to myself, oh my God, do I have to go get my kids? And they were in Catholic school right up the road. So I said, you know what? Screw it. I got in my car and I drove up there, but they had the school on lockdown. So there's frantic mummy, you know, trying to get her children and they won't give frantic mummy her children. So mummy's just becoming more frantic. By this time I had to drive back to the house because they were still on lockdown. And then I think it was like an hour or two later when the plane in Somerset PA had hit. And I actually was selling insurance in Somerset, PA. So it was really surreal to me at that point. And that's when I dipped up to the Catholic school again, and I was banging on the doors. And by this time they were starting to release, you know, kids that their parents were there. And I remember, and maybe this is why I get really emotional about it because I had two little ones and you know, I, my first child, I had at 18 and then my second daughter I had at 21. So I was a young mom and I didn't know 
if something was going on that I wasn't going to see my kids again. Like, was was our city going to get bombed? Was their school going to get bombed? Were we, like, being infiltrated and attacked? And I'm never going to see my kids again? You know, because when you're when you're someone with no kids, you have, like, this... I want to ride on a motorcycle 125 miles per hour and I want to go bungee jumping and, you know, go on the highest and fastest roller coaster. But you know, when you have a kid, you settle down and you start kind of like re and analyzing your life that you want to be here. You don't want to push your luck. You know, you don't want to be a wussy but you can't go on those 145 miles per hour motorcycle rides with no helmet. You know, you can't, uh, you know, I, when I used to not be scared of bungee jumping, now I'm sitting there, is the, is the cord going to break? Am I going to fall? What's going to happen? Because I have kids and I don't ever want to be without my kids. I would die if something happened to my kids. And I think that's why it's, a little more like emotional for me because it was a time where I was like too young to still like to understand my purpose on earth. And I'm like, Oh my God, we're all going to die. And like, what, what was I even here for? I didn't even do anything. I still have so much to do. So, you know, that's, that's how I remembered. Of course, I remember the Pentagon and everything too being done. And um, yeah, it was just a really traumatic time for me as a young mom. Granted, not at all traumatic like it was for, you know, the victims' families, not saying that at all, but in my little world, in my little family, it was traumatic. And I think, you know, there are times when I still think about that day when it's not September 11th because of that almost close of losing something. And, um, and of course I'll get, I'll get to how I feel about the subject in general in a little bit, but we're going to start going to the round table. And since I know, you know, we did this late, I don't want to keep anybody, you know, up real late. So what we're going to do is when we start going back, like Kevin, um, on this round, I want you to first tell me, the impact that it had on you, your life from that day moving forward and how, and then just keep going with adding, what do you think the impact was on the U.S. and countries that are not the U.S. and look at us? Like, what do you think has changed? What needs to change? What's got better? The floor is all yours, my friend. So, firstly, Canada tourism because they had a big powerhouse right to the south. Um, <laughs> um, but no, uh, it affected me in a way that um, I felt like, you know, none of us are safe. Um, tomorrow is not promised. Um, that's me to live more and be present more now than than ever before uh there's times obviously growing up that i lost track of that so 
Um, and I think we all do it from now and again until something um, strange and bizarre like this happens. Um, it was never really a thought either um, that there would be an attack quite like this. Um, and I think what worried me the most is that uh, the hijackers came from Canada's border, came through um which is an unprotected border here in Maine. We don't even have, we, the only um, thing for the border from Canada to Maine is uh, checkpoints on the road. There's nothing, there's just pillars out in the woods um, that say, oh, this side's Canada and this side's United States. <clears throat> but they came from Canada and they learned how to fly here in Portland, Maine. And, went down to Boston and got onto the plane. So <clears throat> it was, or maybe it was Bangor. Either way, it was still Maine. And it bothered me that, um, that it, that they were able to, um, you know, get, first of all, learn how to fly from, from being, um, I guess foreigners. I don't know if what the stipulations on that is. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter, but just because you're a foreigner doesn't mean you're a terrorist. But um, also, I didn't really understand it back then, but I just thought it was weird. Um, and yeah, other than that, it was just uh, other than that, it just trying to <laughs> trying to join the military really also scott uh thank you for your service S something happened to my keyboard and i'm not as tech savvy as i thought so i wasn't able to type that um so i just wanted to uh take this opportunity to say that to you um and yeah so i think that's all i gotta say about that if anything else well, what do you think that it has done to the country? Well, I think it has um, provided a way to kind of um, one of the many things that helps divide this country. Um, uh, for me, looking into a lot of lot of things, I think. Uh, <laughs> I just, when this happened, it was um, a distrust in government, and I was only like 14 at that time, and um, that's just when I started questioning everything and looking into everything, um, so, and I have thoughts and theories on it, some of it is, might be out there, I mean, I don't know, but, yeah. Um, I think it was a way to um, get over there for resources of the many kinds that um, that part of the world provides and that they weren't tapping into themselves because they did not want to disturb the earth because the earth needs not disturbing. Uh, the more we tap into the earth, the more we are uh, going to kill it, so. I agree with you, my friend. I agree with you. And Scott, 
what's, uh, what impact has it had on you personally and what impact good or bad do you, or good and bad, do you think it's had on the country and just, um, you know, your thoughts on the border, you know, what's going on today. Do you think that that's something that's pushing us toward a terrorist attack again? And definitely your military point of view is, is welcome. So I'm so glad that you're here, but you have the floor. All right. Well, first off, I like to say you've all bummed me out. So I'm going to start drinking. Um, <laughs> the border, uh, yeah. I didn't know that, uh, Kevin, was that you who said here in Portland, Maine? I didn't know you were here in Maine. I'm also in Maine. And they, w he was 100% correct. They came right through here, through Portland, not Bangor. They came in through Portland. They literally drove right through the next town over from here. And they stopped at the Kittery Trading Post. And that's where they bought their, their little cutters that they had on the plane. So, I mean, it hit really close to home for a lot of people. And uh, as far as Canada goes, we we love you, Canada. We love all you guys. We kind of think of you as that little brother up north. You, most of us just think of you as another part of this country. So, but anyways, uh, I digress. Uh, it how did it affect me? You know, I at first I was really really bitter because our response is we went into Afghanistan. Now. The people that were on those planes were from Saudi Arabia. They were all from Saudi Arabia. And we had a relationship with Saudi Arabia. I've been over there. So we were very willing to overlook the fact that these people actually came from a country that is supposed to be an ally of ours. And we went straight for another country where we had other interests. And that really, and I think that like what, uh, he said earlier, it, it made a lot of people not trust the government. So, I mean, when this first happened, the response of most Americans, I mean, you couldn't go outside without seeing an American flag flying everywhere you went. They were, the American pride was through the roof. But as time wore on and things, you know, people started questioning a lot of this. I mean, and there's all the conspiracy theories and all that. I'm not getting into those. I don't buy a lot of them. But I do know 100% that the people who did this were not the people that we went after. And that, I think that affected the entire country because a lot of people realize that. I agree. And that's one thing that I didn't learn, Scott, until later in life is that we were going over to Afghanistan and we had no business being over there. Those weren't even the people that we were fighting. We were going over there making a government for, for what, like where, where's, where are we going after the right people? So right. I mean, know, it, we were after Al Qaeda. Sure. But the people on that plane, they, they were, they were from Saudi Arabia. They're Saudi nationalists. That's not questioned. That's all out there. That's 100% true. It's not a conspiracy. It's just fact. And we did nothing because we had, we have major ties with Saudi Arabia. You know, we have an air base there. I've been there. It's nothing special. And I'm not going to get bitter about that. After being there, I'm not a fan, but I'm not going to go into all that. But, yeah, it's 100% we did not go after the people that we should have been after. And one more question, Scott. From that time in 2001, 
to now, what do you think that the, we're worse off or do you think that we would be able to stand true if something happened like that again? Like, what do you think about our system to fight back our military, et cetera? Um, as far as that goes, I, wor I don't worry about our military at all. Our military is so much more superior to than what you see out there. You know, just look at, I don't, I don't want to bring up a bunch of the war stuff, but I mean, if you look at what's happening with Ukraine and Russia, we could literally go through there in a weekend and end that if we needed to, you know, but we don't, we don't do things like that. We're just funding it. To, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to break them that way. But as far as whether we're safe or not, I don't fear our, our military is so much far advanced than anything else in this world that I'm not, I'm not scared of that at all. And I'm not afraid of a nuclear war or anything like that, because it's just, that's, if that happens to one, it's everybody. So what do they call it? Mutual destruction. So, but as far as the military goes, I'm 100% confident in the military. Do you think that we need to protect our borders more instead of protecting others? Oh, absolutely. You know, I don't have a problem with protecting others, but I mean, we seem to neglect what we have right here at home at the same time. You know, I'm not anti, uh, I'm not anti helping other countries. I'm not, you know, I'm not against, not against helping, uh, fund or support other countries with what they need, but we definitely neglect our own, you know? So yeah, people can just walk right across the border. Like, like nothing, we could definitely do something to stop that, but it's all political. And it's for some reason, it's a political thing instead of just being, you know, what it should be. I, I agree with you a hundred percent, a hundred percent, Scott. Vicki, tell me what, how it's impacted you and how you think it impacted the country and how other countries see us. Can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Okay, perfect. You may hear some wind because I'm outside. Um, okay, first off, I want to say to Scott, thank you for your service. I didn't um, I wasn't able to give you a shout out in the in the little chat, but there was some questions that I had that you were able to answer for me. So, OK, growing up, I I never really understood the whole meaning or reason behind the 9-11 attack. I, it wasn't explained well enough to us. I just remember every year it would be put on TV about the whole like, oh, we're commemorating, we're commemorating. Okay, but it, it didn't make sense to me like, okay, so we're at this sort of war. Who are we at war with? And I used to be able to ask um, those questions to adults because I thought they would know. I mean, they're the ones who are supposed to be aware and knowledgeable on stuff like this. And no one was able to really give me some sort of straight answer. Like, I don't know if, it's, if it was because they didn't, they were not aware of it or they did not care for it or they didn't want to answer some things like that to, to a young kid. But I remember I used to ask, like, who were the ones that attack us? Because I, I know that for anyone that has a specific feature, foreign, I guess, um, no, yeah, it's not, I guess, foreign, anyone who looked like Pakistanian, Arabian, um, how, how have you, they were the ones that to, 
to what I'm aware of, they, you know, they were the ones that were kind of having like this sort of negative backlash because, oh, look at you, you're terrorists. You're, you're, you guys are the ones that attacked us. And um, it, it's your fault that we are in this sort of situation. So I know in a negative way, um, a lot of American people um, looked at this sort of specific group in a, in a horrible way that they're like, it's because of you. What are you doing here? You should go back to your country and, and stuff like that. Now, I know, Farah, you've been asking about the border. I mean, I, I, I don't live closer to the Canada border. I live in the Mexican border. I, I, I don't have a, an answer for the Canadian border. I didn't really realize that it was kind of open in a sense like that. Down here, it's it's open, but somewhat closed at the same time. But we have our own issues down here. And the terrorist thing, I think the only pro, pro that I see to this is just the fact that we um, kind of got more aligned with security, um, if, if that makes any sense. Because I know for anyone who on boards or gets off board, in any type of plane, there has to be this sort of like checkup, like, okay, you know, they have to thoroughly check you out, check your luggage to see there's no sort of drugs, but as well as bombs. I'm aware of that. And as I had mentioned earlier, I know that because of what happened to 9-11, it all it affected, I think, so many institutions, especially with the banks, because like I said, I've worked in two different banks. Well, I'm currently working in one right now, but I know for the time that I have um, gone through those like those probation periods, it would be kind of like taught to us or they would write have it in a booklet like, OK, because of 9-11, we have to have a serious protocols. We have to have this sort of training if in case someone with the with the bomb were to come inside uh, the bank, this is what to do. Um, because of this, now we're able to distinguish and analyze certain things with finances and whatnot. Um, what else? Personally, I think after 9-11, both of my brothers decided to serve because my, my, my father was a veteran. He served in, in Vietnam. And so he, he kind of pushed that idea onto his sons and they, they both went into it. However, one of my brothers had died in training. So I think at that time there was this sort of thing that like, if you, if, how did it go exactly? Like two or more brothers can serve. However, if there's two and one passes away, the other gets like right away, like they cannot serve anymore because it's supposed from what I remember or what was taught to me, it was to help preserve like that family name, something of the sort. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I don't want to sound so bland or dry about this sort of discussion, but it, it like, for me, I had questions that no one could answer. And to this very day, I still have questions about what happened in 9-11. Why did it happen? And what could have been done to prevent it? You know, if did anyone see this coming? Did did anyone try to stop them? Because these were guys that were just flying uh, about in these planes, like for literally anyone can see. And 
did they did no one suspect that these guys were looking shady that sort of day and that they were just like heading straight into the buildings why why did they risk their life their own lives doing what they did well what was it what was the purpose of it and so that's 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 all i have to say so far on this discussion um like i said i i'm sorry that it's a little bland and dry but that's that's me i'm more confused about this whole situation now your words aren't bland and dry your words are your words and they will always be your words they're unique so thank you for sharing what you feel that's what the purpose of this is stacy tell me and well tell everyone uh how did it impact you moving forward and what do you think how did it impact the country and even other countries that look at us now so first off, Vicki, um, thank your family for their service. Um, when one goes to the military, the family serves along with them. So I humbly thank all service people because I get to live the life that I live because of their sacrifice, because of their courage. Um, in saying that, we had a military presence that showed up literally September 12th um, to our county building. And you could not come in or out unless they checked your credentials. Um, and if there was even a, a question about who you were and what you were doing there, they had to contact your direct supervisor. And if your direct supervisor didn't answer, you didn't go in the building that day. Um, I also remember friends of mine that um, practiced the uh, Muslim uh, beliefs and they were not allowed to bring their prayer mats in they were not um, they were not allowed to wear their um, I'm probably gonna say this wrong um, their their headdresses the uh, uh, it, anyway we yeah um, so some would have uh, some had to quit their jobs because thank you Scott um, because they could not, um, they, they would not, they refused. And, and by all rights, they should. Travel was never the same. Um, I remember flying all around and you just, you showed up at the airport, you tossed your bag, you got on and you were set. Everything was fine. To a world where you can't even take a tiny bottle of shampoo because it could be a, 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 a explosive device. Um, I, on more than one occasion, because I'm a type one diabetic, I've had my bags and my person like tossed, uh, like so invasive because of this. And then, to have our world, our, our country, stand up and say, oh, we hate these people. 
these people are terrible. We hate them. And it wasn't even the right people. They hated a complete ethnic group. And it, unfortunately, I think even by then, I was not a, I was a skeptic. I was definitely not a Bush supporter. And it, exactly, that's what I think happened is um, Bush came on and he instilled fear into everybody that they're coming for us, they're coming for our country, and we're going to go over there, we're going to show them why we're a superpower. And, you know, war to solve a, a great um, injustice such as uh, when we went over to stop um, the, the uh, Holocaust, when we fought for that, that was a different story than this. And then to find out that Bush had so many holdings over there, absolutely infuriating. Let me just piggy up, piggyback off you a little bit, Stacey. You said uh, something about just how things have changed when, you know, things used to be easy. And then Scott said fear. And let me tell you, you know, it's sometimes I want to just shake some of us Americans that are so easy to believe what the government and the media put out. Oh, here's COVID. Oh, it's bad. Take this vax. Here, no, it works. Trust us. Oh, here's 9 11. These are the people that did it. Nope, we're going to have a 20-year war and you're going to spend all the money doing it. Just believe us. Oh, Russia's invading Ukraine. Oh, we're taking money and giving it to Ukraine. Oh, but they don't say that we're also giving money to Russia to help fund the back and forth that they're doing. But it just sometimes I want to shake Americans because I'm like, why do you believe the first thing that you see from the government, because you know all the media is owned by the government, CNN, MSNBC, etc. The government gives them a press release to say on the air. And if you haven't watched a compilation on YouTube, which is very easy to find, where all these different news channels, they'll say the same thing when they're doing their 11 a.m. broadcast or their 6 p.m. broadcast, they all say the same thing. They'll say the word insurrection. So when you look at every news and you just flip, it'll be, oh, the insurrection of the Capitol. They use the same wording because they know, well, if someone's not watching CNN, someone's watching MSNBC, someone's gonna watch CNBC, and it's like you, 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 we have to stop watching the news just in general, because if there is any one person out there and even Fox, I'm not saying that I'm for now, I'll be honest. I love Tucker Carlson because he says it like it is. I don't want to say I'm Democrat or Republican. I'm more of the type of person where you tell me what you're going to do. 
if it sounds better than this guy, I'm going to vote for you. But I think our whole government, I think Republicans are just like Democrats. They're not working together. Everybody is out for themselves. I mean, if you go back to, you know, when we came over here and, and took land from people and then sell it to someone else, well, it wasn't our land to take in the damn first place. We are just someone that always think America's like, we're this and we're that and we're all that. We're going to make rules for every country. And you got to, who are we? We are people that are leaving our own brothers and sisters on the streets and we're passing them every single day. We are standing by as BLM protesters will fight for what they want, but where's our brothers and sisters, you and I and everybody else, patriot-wise, where, where are we going to peacefully protest and get our words out? So I think the whole nation has become divided. I don't think, yes, I believe I, what Scott said, we came together for that short period of time. We were so gung-ho, American flags, bumper stickers, you know, all that. But it's not as much out there anymore because there's nothing patriotic about America that much anymore because people are letting things divide us too much. But that's what I have to say about it. That's what I think the impact was. I think it changed the way that uh, your neighbors look at each other. I think we've gotten too pointy with, you know, what you look like, uh, not who you are inside. I think that other countries look at us like we are just crazy people, like our agendas our, our priorities are all screwed up. I mean, if you watch Sky Australia news, go, go, go take a watch at them because they just sit there and rip on America like no tomorrow. Our president falling down, our people, you know, yelling on the streets and the crime in Chicago and people killing people and wanting to ban guns. I mean, we just look, I think, the worst than we ever have. I'm still American. I love America. What, what the America that I grew up in, not now, but let's end with everybody else. Please tell me what you think of, of America today. We are officially screwed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you, Scott. What do you think? Well, I think we've lost our way. A lot of it is, most of it is greed. Everything comes down to about money. And uh, I hate seeing that. Um, I don't know. We need to get back on track. We've never been more divided than we've ever been. You know, the country is, like you said, is completely divided. I don't care what side you're on. There's no middle ground anymore for anybody. So I don't know. Oh, I agreed. You're right. It's there is no side because if you if you hear the Republicans, there's some Republicans that are saying that they they want to keep funding the war in Ukraine. But again, like I said, you drive down L.A. and there's you know 50 blocks of homeless shelters on the streets with drug addicts laying all over the place in Kensington, Philadelphia. It's never looked the worst that it looks right now. And I, I mean, it's 
you're you're giving trillions of dollars to a war overseas. Do you, do you know what that trillions of dollars could do to homeless people to get them off the street? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we we put a lot of money a lot of places where it doesn't need to go. Even like with with COVID, so much of that money that went out that was supposed to help the little guys didn't never made it to the little guys. That all went to big corporations that sucked it up, and then other people stole what was left. So, I mean, I think a lot of people have good intentions, but there's a bunch of a bunch at the top that are so greedy that are. And you know, I don't care what side you're talking about; it's not one side or the other; it's both. You know, you can you can be right wing, you can be left wing, you can be the whole goddamn chicken. It don't matter. It's uh, it's all of it. We're just the government is very, very corrupt. And it's just about all the special interest groups that get in there and they're in whoever's pocket trying to get what they want. And, you know, that's that's where we're at. That's what needs to be taken care of. We need all these special interests out of our government and uh, we need to. We need to come back together again. There's no middle of the road anymore, and there used to be. People would work across the aisle to help the other side or to get something that worked for the people, and it's not about that anymore. Oh, and you see, like, old ladies um, getting mugged at the gas station. You see, um, you know, the crime, like I said, has just gone astronomical. We're, we're just killing each other. We're... It, it's just it's just amazing the, the country that I grew up in in the 80s and 90s compared to today. It's not simple. It's not family. We lost family in the in the household. We lost religion in the household. We lost the roles of the mother and father. It's like, oh, you know, women want to be this independent and, you know, talk about they don't need men and the toxic masculinity and everything like that. So everybody's just divided and it's not one side it's just like you said there's no democrat it's not republicans it's just greed but kevin and amanda what do you what are your last final words about this subject i'll let kevin go first uh, i was gonna be a gentleman and let you go first but um i think we need to stop playing um uh world police um i was like um, Scott was saying earlier, um, we need to stop protecting um, uh, foreign interests and uh, worry about wh what's here. Uh, America first is that's what I've always I've always believed in myself. Um, I think I do think it was an uh, inside job. I do think uh, these guys were crisis actors and. Um, that's, those are my thoughts and I don't expect anybody to share those thoughts. Um, <clears throat> nor do I expect anybody to, um, uh, believe in half of the things that I think. Uh, but I do think like you all have, are saying, uh, we're too divided. Um, and we are, highlighting our differences more than anything. Um, everybody's looking for what makes me different than everybody else. What can I perpetuate myself as to be different and stand out when I think that we, the path for us to uh, come together is to celebrate our similarities because there are so many, uh, there's so many life experiences that we have all had that are fairly similar. 
Um, and I think that's the uh, a path to uh, help bring us together. And people need to stop looking to the government for help and, because it's just it's not coming. They're, they've lied to us so many times. Uh, in the 80s, they were like, oh, we're not using mind-control drugs. And then 1994, they're like, oh, yeah, we're using mind-control drugs. Sorry about that. Um, and it's uh, eventually maybe maybe I'll be old and decrepit walking around with a cane. Maybe I won't be able to walk at all, and it'll come out on the news if, um, if there is much of a country. <laughs> Um, by the time I'm that age and they'll come out on the news and they'll be like, Hey, nine 11 was an inside job, by the way. Uh, Bush is really a Democrat. Um, he is a Clinton. Um, Obama is a Bush. He's related to the Bushes. Uh, they're all family. That's all George Bush. It's all Bush death cult. Um, and that's where I stand on that. I love it, Kevin. Thank you for your true words. Um, Amanda, before you go, I don't want Vicki to lose her thought. She said she wanted to add something to that earlier. So Vicki, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So thank you for that. Um, I said what I said earlier, not really so much as a joke or some sort of as a sarcastic comment. I, my perspective is that I think in some way what happened is that traditionalists or the idea of tradition is just dying out so rapidly the the more we get into like the this on the 2000s because i i kind of noticed this whole thing like people in the 1900s no matter what decade you had placed them in you want to place uh, your story on 90 90s and beyond you know people were very um faithful um, or unify them, themselves with God, whether I, I don't want to say he, I don't want to say like, oh, that's more a conservative idea. No, I've met both Republicans and, and Democrats where they both have that same value and principle. And the main thing was God. I mean, if you look at the media right now, or I, I guess like down the street, wherever you live, People are all about putting like these whole upside down symbols of the cross, the upside down symbol of the, the Pentagon or, you know, that star. And, you know, people are just like, yeah, I worship the devil and I'm all about the devil. You know, they, they, they make these things as a like, I don't even know if they're doing it as, as a mockery or the sort of thing to like, oh, look at me. I'm more scarier because I praise the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, What happened? along the way with both the education and parents or you know what let me add the church as well what happened with those three groups and wanting to um add those core principles of like a good philosophy in life to like respect others you know uh, respect their differences and have a have uh family time division is never good division is not good and you know unity is best but it's not just within yourselves it's not just all about material it's 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 spiritual it's i want to say it's spiritual in a sense of like the craziness what's going on right now because let's say from 2010 and and, be, and beyond that no before that people were very religious no matter if it was catholic or christianity now getting from let's say 2019 i guess that that covid year to now like or when biden came into presidency all of a sudden 
God is out the window. Jesus Christ was um, is a man that people say, well, he's just a man. He wasn't never anybody actually that special. It's just the church who wants to put him on a pedestal. The devil is the one who's real because look at the shit world that we're going through right now. Yeah, because you kind of put it there. You know, that's that's what I wanted to say. That's why I said what I said. Not so much because I was trying to make a joke out of it, but it's just because like America kind of lost its its value on or its its love for god in order to create a social order not just only in the family dynamic but also outside of it Vicky, oh my god you have said everything that i have thought the past few years so thank you for bringing that up i i hail you amanda uh finish us off girl well, mine's going to be a pretty anticlimactic ending, but I just, I just have a perspective of like this being just bigger. Like I understand on a patriotism level, like the issues within our country should come as a priority because this is the land that we inhabit and we live here, et cetera. However, I don't think that there's ever going to be a way that we can say definitively that we can cure terrorism or that we can cure greed in America or cure the homeless crisis, because I think that it's not a Democrat Republican problem. It's like a human problem. Like humans were just innately built that we're always going to want better for ourselves, like greed and power for, you know, the hunger for power and hunger for money. It runs so rampant among humans innately, like not necessarily us in this chat, but just as a species that I, I think there is not going to be a fix for the end of violence. And the only way that we can redeem ourselves as a species, not as Americans, but as a human race would sadly be to take what everybody would think would be 10 steps back and go back to a time when we're living in harmony with nature and we're living with a resource-based economy. I'm growing carrots and trading for your cucumbers and trading for Matt's wheat and trading for Scott's, you know, whatever. It's just, I think that's the only way out of this just because we're always going to have hatred, murder, crime. There's always going to be humans who want more for themselves than they want for their neighbors. And that's not something we can eliminate. I mean, if we're going to go around killing people that, that think that way, we're going to eliminate 99% of the human race like real quick. So I just think that it's as productive as it is to kind of brainstorm ways to be more um, compassionate to one another and to be like, you know, I'm definitely not advocating against being more compassionate, like putting together kits for the homeless or helping donate to charities that actually put the money where it needs to go. I'm not saying not to do that. I'm just saying that these are band-aids for a problem that we're never going to be able to fix because we're so obsessed with just power and money as a species. And I agree with you because, like I said, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, now I think that, first of all, having the Internet that started it right there morals and values out the window i do think that the past 20 25 years has been gone to shit slowly but surely but it's sped up in the in the most recent years and i mean that's why i had gotten chickens that's why i planted a garden that's why i bought books on foraging and i had wanted to move out to the country because i didn't feel safe anymore living around a city where victims are um where the criminals are being treated as victims and 
you know, the people that are trying to defend their home, their, their, their items, their property are considered, you know, they're going to be the ones thrown in jail because, oh, you know, Joe Schmo had a bad life and, you know, he has a record 30 pages long, but he's, you know, he's a victim. And I just think, you know, I wanted to go back to doing my own vegetable, like growing my own vegetables, my own fruit, uh, you know, like I said, foraging, I wanted, I got chickens to have my own eggs. And I think going back to not primitive times, but I think going back 20, 25 years without internet, without social media, when, like you said, and I agree 100%, Amanda, it's us as humans. We don't like anyone else to be better than us. And if we do, we try to cut that down. You know, you just see it so much. There's so many women these days that are putting themselves on OnlyFans. And then when they get interviewed on podcasts, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be fine for 20 years and I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to have a guy pay for everything for me. So, you know, everybody's losing their morals and values slowly but surely. It's just crumbling. Human Humans are crumbling. And I think having religion back in the home, a family back in the home, you know, not, yes, women can work. Yes, men can work. We can do this all together. But um, yeah, we don't, we don't like seeing anyone prosper but us. You know, it's always what, you know, I'll, I'll lend you money, but what is it going to be- benefit me to do that? So, I mean, I've gone on next door. And I put up every year for Christmas, I post something and say, if you have children, give me your email addresses. I'm going to draw one family every year. And I go and I buy gifts. I buy a tree for the couple and I don't do it to get anything back. I do it because like everyone, a lot of people know, I almost lost my life three times. So I'm trying to give back and be better. And I think that everybody needs to do that. You need to stop asking, what is it going to benefit you to help my neighbor across the street? It's how's it going to help them? And if we do that much, much better, you know, better life, better, better communities, better neighborhoods, better schools. And that's what I have to say. (laughs) Anyone else have any last minute thoughts before we call this a night? Awesome. Well, everyone that had joined for this guest and fellow co-host, I certainly appreciate you giving us your time. I know it's very valuable. You're all busy. You all have jobs and families and work. So thank you so much. This was a very special episode that I'm glad that we did. And other than that, um, I wish you all a wonderful evening make sure you say your prayers for your own family for the victims and families out there um, of this tragic day and other than that until next time cabin crew Night, y'all. 
As above, so below, my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Farah. Thank you.